set. From the studio of WHUP, LP Hillsborough, welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo, and over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, down these mean streets, a genre must go. Producer, writer, creator, Tom Fontana will be with us to discuss the state of crime. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo from the Modern School of Film. Really excited to be here with you, uh, WHUPLP Hillsboro Live every Friday. And on iTunes, Evergreen, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher as well. <laughs> we also have a website, murmurradio.com. We have an email address uh, at Sorry, murmurradio at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know you're listening. We'd love to take some calls in the next coming weeks. Speaking of the next coming weeks, we're going to do some live versions of Murmur. April 17th, we'll be live at the Cary Theater in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, Dave Eggers will be with us on the phone. And Al Jean, uh, executive producer of The Simpsons, will be with us to talk about the state of animation. The very next night, the very next night, Murmur will be live at Motor Co. in Durham, North Carolina. We will have Neil Halstead from Slow Dive. And uh, we will have Nathan Willett and Matt Maust of Cold War Kids with us. Tickets for all those uh, and inf- general information on all those live events. We're, we want to start doing more live events. I just think it's sort of a cool way to explore the medium. Uh, or to meld mediums, live mediums uh, and oral mediums. Our website is murmurradio.com. Go to that website and you will see information on that. We'll also, we also have some live events coming up. If you're in Chicago, April 22nd, I'll be chatting movies with Alex Ross, who's a legendary artist for both DC and uh, Marvel and others. And then April, no, uh, sorry, May 10th, I'll be at the Coolidge Corner Theater in uh, Cambridge, Boston. I don't know where, what technically the geography, if, if that's, I think it's Boston, but it's very, the line of Cambridge is very close, uh, with uh, Dr. Henry Gates Jr. talking about movies and final announcements for today, Christopher Guest and I, May 31st at the Onion Comedy Festival. All the information for those live non-murmur shows, but movie talk shows, so to say, will be are on our website, modernschooloffilm.com. So, have I have I given you enough propaganda? Oh, uh, we're at MSF Murmur is Twitter, Instagram. And I have a carrier pigeon. So if you send me your carrier pigeon, if you send your carry pigeon to my carry pigeon and give him an, a note, I'll return it. So we 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 cover as many um, of the triad as we possibly can, the um, social triad as we possibly can. The state of crime. Tom Fontana, Emmy-winning creator, uh, whose work on TV is Legion, will be with us. Crime, and I want to limit today's talk to crime 
in a potboiler way. I want to stay away from true crime, which is a genre that I want to look at under a different uh, auspice. Auspice. Uh, the state of true crime will do it some other time, but state of crime. And this genre is really something that I, I don't know where it lives right now. Uh, I think rather than we could litigate it on a tactile sense, where are crime movies, where are TV crime? You know, the, the 80s and 90s were great, were probably the last great era of uh, crime in, in terms of moving media. And we've lost a lot of that. I think a lot uh, we've lost a lot of that because of true crime because of documentary forms of crime. So I don't want to, I want to try to keep those away and look at what the, the gravity and the magnetism is for crime as a genre. I, thinking about it this morning, um, and not just this morning, but <laughs> as I was driving in, I was sharpening um, some of the thoughts. One of the, you know, I was thinking, why are we, why do we tune into this? Well, it is, you know, crime, as a, as a genre, criminality, as an idea, it's kind of a fantasy space, I guess, for a lot of people in the sense of this, these crossing these moral lines, um, watching some, it's, it's really a, it's a, it's a true form of voyeurism, watching something that we wouldn't perhaps engage in ourselves. So I think that's one magnet, magnetic field of, of crime. Uh, it also, I think, keep resubstantiates this idea that th- there are thin lines of morality and ethical conduct and persona, th- and the the, the 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 characteristics of humans is a, lie in a very thin spectrum. My my point is the difference between create committing a crime and not is I think is a very thin line, thinner than most people would probably acknowledge. So watching that, it's not only a, not always a dilemma. It's oftentimes a sealed off choice, watching a criminal act, watching a crime, watching a heist go down. Um, what I also love about it, and as we look at it kind of as a badminton birdie, if we bat it around a little bit more, it's not simply an American genre. The French crime films are some of my favorite. Uh, Italian Italy uh, has a whole uh, genre of police and Italian um, moving media. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, but that genre, if you look up Polizio Tesci, it's literally their Italian crime genre. Uh, You know, and again, we don't have enough time ever, period. Next point. We don't have enough time in these episodes to really get into all the nooks and crannies because crime, you know, there's gangster crime, there's uh, ethical, you know, non-felony-based crime. <laughs> there's there's crimes and misdemeanors, right? There, there, there's, there's, um, there's debatable conduct that isn't crime. So, we we just want to lay it out there how much crime encompasses, but I do think the current state of crime, since you're asking me, which you're not, but I'll just tell you, uh, just to look at it a little bit before we bring in Tom Fontana, um, it's really in a big fat abeyance right now, and I think part of it is the true crime genre, a, but also I I think. You know, we do have TV has such a really exciting and has had an exciting stronghold or or vice grip, so so to say, on it. Um, And it dovetails nicely because TV being a writer genre and crime is very much a writer genre. The literary components of crime are often overwhelmed by the visual components because that's the world we live in. But if you look at some of the base DNA, you know, Raymond Chandler, uh, Mike Hammer, you know, these these. Fact and fantasy figures in the genre are alive and well as its forefathers. Uh, in, in terms of gender lines, it's it's probably not as inclusive a tent as as we need it to be. But that probably goes for every genre we're going to talk about here on Murmur. So there's a lot to pick through, and as always, we'll get to probably the tip of the spear, but at least that tip will allow you to think a little. That's what we hope to to have you do, think and and, and think again. Uh, sorry about that. We apologize. Uh, no apologies necessary for today's guest, Tom Fontana, 
uh, Oz, Homicide Life on the Street, um, The Borgias, St. Elsewhere. He knows a few things about um, human systems and uh, crime. Uh, first this. This is Eddie Coyle. I got five Smiths, two Lugas, and a 357 mag. Get home from the bank with that thing all by yourself. And these are his friends. You gonna need any more guns? I could use anything you can get. In the world of Eddie Coyle and his friends, the real world of crime. Cops cannot operate without information, and criminals cannot survive without favors. Here's 20. Who's calling up? Remember Eddie Fingers? You know, I want 10 guns. I want them tomorrow night. I'll be right there with the money, same place where we were before. I'll be there with the money, you be there with those damn guns, because if you ain't, I'll be looking for you, and I'll find you, too. Hell, the way I hear it, you may be mixed up in something that's going on. What did you do? You hit me a lot. Suppose I was to give you those guys that have been knocking off the banks. Are you hooked in with the mafia or something? Tell you the truth, I don't know. Is this heavy set guy, you know? People are desperate for guns. I had a guy ask me seriously the other day, could I get him a few machine guns? You tell me about a guy that's going to get hit, 15 minutes later he gets hit. You tell me about some guys in a job, but you don't tell me till they're coming out the door with the money. Suppose we were to talk about machine guns. Look, I got two problems selling machine guns to people like you. The first is selling machine guns. That's life in this state. If I give you this, I can't do no time. These guys have got friends, you know, and uh, I wouldn't live to get out. We could take him now. We take him. It's a grubby, violent, dangerous world. But it's the only world they know. And they're the only friends Eddie Coyle has. Vous avez lu l'histoire de Jesse James? Comment il vécu, comment il est mort Ça vous a plu, hein Vous en demandez encore Eh bien, écoutez l'histoire De Bonnie and Clyde Alors voilà, Clyde a une petite amie Elle est belle et son prénom c'est Bonnie C'est un gars loyal, honnête et droit Il faut croire que c'est la société Qui m'a définitivement abîmé Bonnie and Clyde Bonnie and Clyde Qu'est-ce qu'on a pas The Voice of the Shadow uh, radio programme used to end each program saying the weed of crime bears bitter fruit crime does not pay and I say what the hell did he know um, today's guest would probably attest differently he is a multiple Emmy winner uh, he started on the, the not so mean streets of Buffalo and uh, then the, the more mean streets of Baltimore for six or seven years and then finally and not quite ultimately the Oswald State Correctional Facility for six years uh, whom better to talk about the state of crime than writer, producer, creator, big brain, deep thinker, 
please welcome to Murmur, Mr. Tom Fontana. Tom, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks. I'm 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 appreciative of your uh, including me. Well, let's start with that word. You know, I, I wanted you to talk about the state of crime, and that's a big tent mm. in the sense of media. But I guess you know, like chopsticks on the piano, if someone talks about crime as a genre, where does your head go? Is that a is that is the word sort of a misnomer? Because there's so many subdivisions, man, as you know. Well, first of all, because uh, crime has been such an absolute uh, part of the television industry from the very beginning, um, and you know, before that, in 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 feature films and on radio. Um, but for me, the thing that I think about, uh, and you're absolutely right that that uh, there. Are Many, many subdivisions of crime. Many, you know, being Catholic, I, I know a, a venial <laughs> sin from a mortal sin. Right, right. But I, think the, I think the heart of every crime is someone taking a, an extreme action. And I guess sometimes it's the level of the extremity that, that matters. But, but stepping outside the norm of society... Um, and 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 committing themselves to taking an extreme action uh, for a reason that is justified to them, mm. whether yeah. it be to get rid of a irritating neighbor or to get a lot of money from a bank, whatever the reason that they have convinced themselves that something that they should not be doing uh, something that goes against not just the laws of man, but potentially the laws of nature, that they uh, have the right to step beyond the line and, uh, and, do, do, and commit an act. Is it an agnostic form? Um, I think one of the cool things that draws smart writers like you, creators, directors, actors, is there is a kind of freedom in in its agnosticism, its wide tentism. There's a freedom to kind of, as you say, I'm you know break the break the venal sin, break the taboo, and you know use hard language, use hard words. You you know you take law into your own hands. Is it agnostic? Do, do, do both the heroes and the villains, um, is, the, is there bipolar and equal polarity to both inputs into it? Is that another reason why it, it's Teflon? It's Teflon as a genre. Are you talking about it in a, in a theological sense? Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant, I meant it in a, in a clinical sense, not agnostic, sorry, spiritually. I meant what you're, what you're saying about the genre, I think, holds true for heroes and villains. It's not slanted towards crime. Crime genres seem not slanted towards one disposition, and that's what I love yeah. about it. Does that seem to be a common a common trope of it for you? I, I, I would agree with that. I think the the um, the difference between a hero and a and a villain is the um, a hero is doing it for others, and a villain is doing it for him or herself. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So that so that the um, because you know I mean again not to get too uh, theological about this but if you consider the fact that pride is the worst sin you can commit because it puts you in the place of God it puts you first above God and everyone else on the planet then that becomes uh, on a moral level. A choice that you have to make to say, okay, um, you know, in terms of writing, this character, this character believes that he or she is the center of the universe at this particular moment. Mm. You know, the 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 um, the other side of it is, you know, for example, a man who uh, beats his wife. Um, we think of of him as someone who is dominant in the relationship all the time. But the reality is that he is a man who feels completely impotent in the world that he lives. And the only moment that he has control over his universe is when he beats his wife. So it isn't, you know what I mean? It is a, it is a, it is a, it's, we say, oh, he lost control and beat his wife. 
but he would in his heart think I was totally in control for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, you know, in terms of the complexity of creating a character for a television series, you can't just use the old norms of, oh, he's a good guy, he's a bad guy, uh, or, uh, you know, or, uh, or more specifically, the bad guy is all bad. I mean, what I tried to do with Oz primarily, uh, but then later with Borgia um, in a completely different context, was to say there is no bad, there is no good. There is just life. There is just a human being navigating through the sometimes hideous, sometimes joyful shoals of life. 1912, um, D.W. Griffith creates uh, Musketeers of Pig Alley which is many people see as the first gangster film, right? And that was a kind of brazen act because the heroes and the villains or the criminals and the, the cops are on the same playing field for most of that film. Um, I, does that draw you closer to it too in the sense of, you know, you've done some really cool work. You know, Homicide, I, I think people understate or under under appreciate how that was one of the first real investigatory into the life of the cop. You know, it wasn't just the the the, the cliche cop by numbers. Um, do you feel there's as much uh, of a contribution from from the criminal and the the pursuer into the genre, or is this a kind of anti heroic genre? You know, is this a genre of taboo, or is this a genre of justice as well? I I think um, I think it is a genre of of. Um of retribution and redemption. Mm. But I also think that um, what you need uh, when you're creating, uh, you know, if you have ongoing characters, like let's say uh, we did on a homicide, who are flawed and, and uh, confused and uh, bickering and selfish in their own ways, um, it's very important that you put someone opposite them, against them, who is an equal character. Interesting, yeah. yeah. A, 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 a one-dimensional character against a three-dimensional character is no battle whatsoever. <laughs> right, right. Now, I had a right. teacher in college who used to say, no one wants to watch a one-sided football game, you know, a football <laughs> with, with one team. Right. So right. You, have to put, you have to populate your theories with, Characters of equal strength and equal resolve and equal uh, powers, um, you know. And I mean, this isn't to this isn't to judge a show like Supergirl, which is a you know, it's it's a comic book. So you don't you're not looking for the subtlety of some arch villain. In, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a TV show about superheroes. That's, that's not the kind of show I'm talking about. But if you are talking about a, a, a series that has, um, you know, um, and has a lead character, whether it's, a, whether it's you know, uh, Breaking Bad or Mad Men, um, you want to have the people that he or she is coming into contact with uh, give them a real run for their money. You know, it's funny, though, and we're speaking with Tom Fontana, it's really interesting. You, you read my mind a little bit. I was thinking of Batman and the Joker. One thing about the Batman um, lexicon or lore, which I think makes it as substantial as it is, and we can argue whether it is, but I think it is, For let's say that as a placeholder, is, sure. the, is the Joker. And again, I don't want to get into the comic book of it all, but you know, one doesn't exist without the other. That's the that's what your 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 teacher's remark reminded me that one defines the other. You know, we we again just to use Batman example. Batman will never die. Like the Joker will never die. They can't kill each other. They you know, if one dies, the other dies. Yeah, I I just you know uh, for me I uh, the, the 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 nuance that I'm suggesting about that because I love the Batman Joker. Uh, epic story of battle between them in the same way that I love Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. Right, right, um, right. Is, is that those, though, are archetypes. 
Mm. Those are large, you know, they're writ large on the screen or on the page. Whereas the kind of work that I try to do is to say, well, here's a guy who's in a prison because he, uh, you know, shot his girlfriend. I'm not now speaking of any particular character. Sure. Um, and you say, okay, there he committed an extreme act. And now he's in this place where he is in a building filled with people who have committed an extreme act. Where is his humanity? Is, is there an opportunity for his humanity to emerge from this uh, hideous cesspool that he finds himself in? And if, and if it can, how long can it sustain itself? And doesn't that prove something about the regenerative power of the human spirit? Mm. Um, you know, I, I, on, the, on the surface, Oz seems like an relentlessly depressing television show. Um, but I, I think underneath it, there is a, there is a message of, of, uh, of hope. It's just not an easy hope. It's not a... Not a oh we have forty five minutes to do this story let's get it let's resolve it it's an ongoing in the way that any human being struggles their whole life to overcome whatever it is the the, the the ghost that is haunting them what I loved about Oz and you know we could speak days about Oz as far as I'm concerned but it was never a fait accompli. Nothing is a fait accompli because those characters right. are so engaging. You know, because if we say prison is a vacuum of sorts, let's just say that for the sake of argument, that was slightly irrelevant to watching the show, I felt. It, or at least it was subordinate. It Typically, that that idea would have dominated like a prison film or a prison. But you did something skillful. You created these these humans that were really empathetic. Um, so I think you're right in terms of the genre. It's easy to dismiss it as a, as a dark noir, just that. But there's and you've created real humanity. Is that still what brings you into that? Even as a watcher, do you do you, do you want to see that? You know, do you, do you still believe we're in a place where humanity can still exist in the crime genre? Yes, I I, I do I do I just I just I I. I have a, re a negative reaction when it is simplistic, mm. when goodness, uh, you know, wins uh, purely because it, it, you know, it's it's uh, five minutes to eleven. <laughs> so it's got to end. Um, whereas, whereas what I'm talking about is is uh, is is that you, humanity is so much. More complex, more uh, richer, and and uh, and fascinating, mm -hmm. because as as you said, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't settle in. It doesn't stop. You know, it just keeps moving. And when you're doing the kind of television shows that I do, where you want it constantly, the characters and the stories to be constantly on the move, so that the audience is going, what? the hell is going to happen next. Right, right. Um, that, to me, is what is the kind of television shows that I'm attracted to, um, as opposed to something that's just like, okay, book them, Dano. <laughs> We're speaking with Tom. I, and I yeah. should say, I've not seen the new Hawaii. <laughs> Hi, book, I, I didn't think that was a referendum on your, on your thoughts, but no, yeah. I, 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 your point is well taken. Speaking with Tom Fontana, let's drill down a little bit in terms of your uh, your personal history. When did you first become attracted to the genre? I've heard you talk about watching The Defenders and uh, as, as, a, as a kid. In the 60s, watching those forms, what was attractive to you at the time? Because there's a lot of sex appeal. Aside from the dramaturgy, there's a kind mm -hmm. of, there, it's an also very image-based, right? It's kind of like, uh, yeah, so, so what true. was attracting you to, to those shows uh, in, your, in your younger moments? Well, I would say, I would say a couple things. Um, uh, being um, a Sicilian-American... <laughs> I take a number, there man. I'm a, I'm Sicilian and, as well, so I, I my condolences. <laughs> no, no, no. I celebrate it. I believe me, I celebrate it. But the but the but my point is, when I was growing up in the '50s, there was a very clear prejudice against us, as the assumption was that we were members of the mafia. 
And um, even though there were guys in the mafia who lived around us, uh, most of the Italians that I knew, Italian-Americans that I knew, were not. But there was still this, there was still this, this mystery to it all. You know, and no one ever spoke about the mafia uh, as <laughs> without getting killed. Well, it's so, it's Cosa Nostra. Uh, it's Cosa Nostra, which is our thing. You know, it literally yeah. is and, translates that way. Sorry. Yeah, and and um, uh, and so it was a, this mysterious thing that was around. Yeah, and. Um, there were, when I was a kid, there were crimes that I thought, like, for example, a very uh, beloved priest was murdered uh, around Christmas time one year when I was young. Uh, things like that, that just, you know, they go into the sort of the back pocket of your brain. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, and I've told this, this story many times before, I was a teenager when Attica happened. And Attica, for me, was... Uh, 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 again, it was a great mystery because, first of all, these prisoners were rioting, and I was like, "Well, what what do they expect? They're in prison. What, they're they're saying they're being treated badly, but they're in prison, you know." And then the reaction by Governor Rockefeller to, you know, basically murder, have the National Guard murder uh, the prisoners and some and some correctional officers. Um, that to me seemed like a huge, um, uh, you know, like well, what, what what's going on there? Hmm. So um, all these things were sort of embedded in my brain as I was, um, you know, growing up and and wondering about the world. I was instantly attracted to this kind of mystery. When I say mystery, I don't mean you know, murder she wrote. What I'm saying is that people behave and we want to know why. We want mm. to understand why. Right. Why right. do people behave in a criminal way? We want we want to try to understand it. Do we do we want to understand it out of some moral indignation? Do we want to understand it out of some secret desire to do it ourselves? Um, you know, there I think I think the the, the viewer uh, brings his or her own uh, baggage to the to the the uh, the experience. I think the genre kind of is a character Rorschach test, you know, it, 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 in a, in a way. It, it, you know, and these people are, you know, the, the uh, who run afoul of the law, who are actually not even run afoul, but even co- like cops. Anyone who's dealing with law and order, pardon the usage. There's their they their reflection and it's complicated. You know, you have to pay Dick Wolf for saying. <laughs> you know, he's texting me right now. Gonna... <laughs> I I used to work for the mothership. That's what they call the you know you know it's like they they call it. Oh yeah, I know. I, I know you well. know. I know you know, man. I was speaking with Tom Fontana. You reminded me of uh, someone you worked with later, Sidney Lumet, because uh, you, you reminded me of Dog Day Afternoon, Attica. Sorry, I just you tripped a few wires. But I want to start in. Uh, fi- I want to take this in two poles. Crime on film. Uh, a lot of the 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 film school brats, like the Scorseses and the Lucases, you know, talked about seeing. This is a different way into it, but they talked about seeing the Searchers. Uh, John Ford, and they talked about seeing yeah, yeah. Ethan Edwards, and that's when for Marty, you know, he talked a lot about that's when the light bulb went on. Oh, right, mm-hmm. you know, as what you're saying, you know, th- these are complex men and women, and what is it that draws me to them? And and in a way, I think th- those films of like westerns gave ro- rise to Mean Streets and that kind of thing. W- what about film images for you? As we, I want to look at this first film, and then we can get back into TV. What about the genre of film? Because I think film is is in a kind of weird predicament now. When did film imagery of the the criminal sort start to kick in for you? What were you were you watching Don Siegel films? Like what were you watching? Was it The Killing? Do you remember any of your early film crime influences? No, it's it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna plead absolute ignorance in this. I am not a a film. Um, uh, scholar or aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. I, um, the films that I watched as a kid, I don't remember, you know, except Cagney and Edward G. Robinson, I guess. <laughs> um, but 
when I was when I was sliding into adulthood, you know, it was the '60s. Yeah. So so uh, films themselves uh, until the guys that you mentioned and uh, and 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 other people. Uh, films themselves weren't all that important to me mm. in that period. So, I mean, in a, in a, in a, hopefully, in a, in a very clever way to avoid your question, <laughs> I am, um, I'm basically saying that I didn't come into television with a, with a film language. I love that. Uh, Actually, I think that's I, fantastic. I came into it with, for want of a better word, a life language in the sense that I was, you know, it was the 60s, and I was busy doing stuff uh, on the streets as opposed to sitting in a movie I, theater. I, I, I think that's fascinating, and just to button button it up a little bit with Scorsese, it's funny because I always think about this. And Marty talks about the fact that he was asthmatic as a kid, couldn't go outside mm-hmm. and play, so he had to watch a lot of movies of the week on TV. Uh, again, this is concludes our Sicilian um Sponsorship for or Sicilian dues. The, the Sydney Lumet of it all. You wrote uh, really. I thought it was really great. Strip Search, an HBO sh- a film for HBO. Strip Search that Sydney di- uh, directed. What did you learn from Sydney? One of the grand uh, orchestrators of crime, TV, film, etc. What did you learn from Sydney? Just curious. You know, it's funny because, um, and this is going to sound like I'm pa- patting myself on the back, but it really speaks to. Um, how brilliant Sydney was in terms of nurturing uh, uh, people he worked with. Um, I wrote a draft of this script, and Colin Callender, who was then head of HBO Films, said, um, I want to make it, and I want to hire... Um, it, uh, it, if it's okay with you, I want to hire Sydney Lumet. <laughs> Never heard a more absurd question in your life. I said, of course, of course, of right, course. Right. And I uh, met with uh, Sydney, and I said, so, you know, g- give me your notes. Tell me what you want me to rewrite. And he said, oh, I don't want you to rewrite anything. But wow. Wow. I think the script works uh, as it is. He said, we may, you know, in, in, uh, in production, we may change a thing here or a change there, but he said, I'm, I think you've, I think you've, you, the, what's attracted me to it is uh, we don't have to do much work on the script. We just have to do the work with the actors and the, and the camera. Wow. So, so I, um, you floated I, home, you floated home. Yeah, basically. no, completely floated home. Yeah. And, um, and so to answer your question, what I then learned from him was, how to, and I'm not a director. I have no, I have no interest in directing. Smart man. Um, uh, but to watch him take a scene that I had written and illuminate it in a way that I had never would have imagined um, was was really quite uh, awesome. The other thing was when he always insisted that there would there was two weeks of rehearsals before shooting began. Yeah. Because in his mind, when he gets on the set, he just wants to shoot. Right. Doesn't he doesn't want to talk anymore. Right. Um, and so watching him in those re- rehearsals, uh, work with the actors in the most loving way he he just absolutely adored actors and of course he came from that he right. was an actor when he was he young was a child actor that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah so you could see that he felt part of that community and just a dear man the i mean not to bear put this in parenthetical just one of just a real gentle soul no i man i i worked with him br- briefly and just just a really, I hate, it sounds like, you know, boring to say a good guy, just, but really a good guy, I found. A good guy, but a good guy with an enormous passion yeah. to tell the truth. Yeah. And be fearless in telling the truth. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, 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 the subtlety of his sweetness did not keep his uh, fierceness uh, uh, hidden. He, 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 he was a fighter, and um, uh, it, it, he, just was, he just was really, really smart about how to, how to do it. And he delivered irony in a way that I think was one of the last waves of 
irony and earnestness combined. You know, this is a discussion for a different day. Speaking with Tom Fontana, before we leave film then, let's kick one piece of dirt on it. Is okay. is crime in the films, in terms of the world of film, is crime working? And maybe this speaks to the, the larger question of where is film now? So for, forget the titles, forget the creators. Do you think film, you know, are superheroes the new, is that the new crime genre? As sad as I am to maybe report that. I think that, I think that that feels like it's true because there's just so many <laughs> and they're so big and loud and right. they get so much press. They're on the cover of this magazine. There's, you know, people are coast, you know, products are, there's, you know, some cheese company is, has, has <laughs> daredevil or whatever, you know, and, and so it feels like it's, important and and i suppose given the number of tickets that are sold and uh, that more people see those but if you look at a film and and you're going to help have to help me with this because i have virtually no memory <laughs> i'll try my best my friend i'll try it's my the best. film this year with um <laughs> with um oh god tom it's terrible it's okay. uh, where where um oh god uh, the guy from star trek Okay. The Captain Kirk, not not Shatner. Okay, okay, I'm with you. Uh, uh, Chris something, name? yes, Chris. Uh, yes. One of the many Chris's uh, in the male. One of the many Chris. Uh, the male and demographic then, and then, right now, I guess. And and he and his brother were doing these crimes, and uh, and um, what's his name played the old sheriff. It's, it, it's not a uh, Jeff Bridges wasn't in, in it, was it? Jeff what? Bridges. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what is that name? It was. Was this old cop? And, yeah, and, and, and Jeff was nominated for what was it called? Oh gosh, yes, it's a it's kind of um, a western thing, right? Right. Yes. Oh, but but right. When I saw that, and um, Hell or High Water. Okay. Hell or High Water. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Apologies to Jeff Bridges, who we love, but yes. Yes. No, he was brilliant, and so was uh, so was Chris of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. I, I was impressed by him because, yes. you know, Star Trek doesn't ask much, uh, as entertaining as the films can be. They don't ask much of the actor, right, right. Uh, whereas that film really did ask, ask a lot of all the actors who were in it. Anyway, my, my point, that to me was a crime film. Interesting. That to me was, was typical of the kinds of films that are being made that... Um, that deal with crime in a very real way, or if not, if not in a real way, at least in a lyrical way, that a film should should work uh, should look at crime. Well, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking of No Country for Old Men. I think maybe No Country for Old Men is another example. Films of recent vintage is a film called Narc with Jason Patrick and uh, Ray Liotta, which is really great. And what I'm saying is. In NARC and maybe, you know, late of the 80s and 90s, there used to be cop movies, movies about mm -hmm. cops and not tongue-in-cheek cop movies, like real yeah. detective yeah. work. But that seems to go in the way of the dodo. I mean, is that... Uh, well, I mean, maybe, maybe, um, uh, maybe it just needs somebody to say, oh, that's, that's the kind of film I want to make. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't... I don't think because that specific kind of movie is is not being made now that it means that the crime, the serious crime film, if you will, uh, has disappeared. I just think what happens is that another generation comes in and says, well, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we try something else? Well, do you think it's on ice a little bit, Tom, because of what's going on now in what we call the real world with police and the community, do you think it's on ice a little bit, you know, in the sense of the tr a trepidation to paint cops as heroes or detectives as heroes? Not to get too much into the NPR of it all, but does... Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I mean, here's the thing. Most films are planned, uh, right. are not, don't land when events land. So yeah. um, it is possible that there have been films that were, that were put aside based on what, what's been going on in the country. But I also would believe that there are people who would um, want to see a p positive film about about the police. Uh, speaking with Tom Fontana, let's get into the wheelhouse before we let you out of here. Uh, you, you said something funny about um, 
invariably calling yourself a TV writer. And, uh, you know, people, yeah. when you used to say that, people sort of slightly roll their eyes. Now, these people are not rolling anything anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I think... It's quite wonderful. I, I <laughs> the worm has turned. Parties on Park Avenue, and <laughs> back in the day, people would say, "Well, uh, oh, and what do you do uh, for a living?" And I'd say, "Oh, I write television." They go, "Oh, I don't watch television." <laughs> yeah. It was in this really pop is horrible. Like you, you are, you are absolutely beneath my uh, contempt. Right, right. Now I go, and they go. Did you see last week's episode of, of The Good Wife? You know what I mean, or whatever, whatever the whatever the current like What's... oh my god show. It's, and it's hilarious, it's you know. Funny. I, they watch more television now than I ever did. I was going to say now. The other thing is, if you don't know as much as they do, you're out of the loop. I, I you know, I almost started lying and telling people I was, you know, worked for uh, the Secret Service or was a worked on an oil rig. So, <laughs> I wouldn't get that. So I wouldn't get that dismissive, you know, oh, I don't watch television. <laughs> and now if you say you're a screenwriter, they ask, well, do you know Batman personally? Or do you know the Avengers personally? <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of the other thing. Well, let's, let's start with the headline and then get into a little bit of the byline. What is the state of crime on, on TV? I think that um, we are being allowed to tell stories that were sort of... Um, dismissed as um, anxiety-written um, uh, a few years ago. You know, when we were doing St. Elsewhere and even Homicide, we could tell pretty much any story we wanted. And then there was, this, there was like this curtain came down, and it was like, no, we don't want to do that because, you know, it's just making people uncomfortable. But right. now... Um, People, you know, network executives and studio executives seem to understand that there is an audience, not the CSI Miami audience, but there's an audience uh, of people who want to uh, lean forward in their chair, not lean backward in their chair yeah. when they watched television. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's created a, a, an environment of great, um, you know, you look at the, at the show's um, you know, the first season of True Detective uh, and, you know, as I said before, Breaking Bad, um, where you say, okay, you know, this is, this is, th these are places where no uh, writer has ever gone before, and yet it's still part of this Prime genre. That's that's a really great point, and I was you're, you're you're predicting my next. You know, more people are looked at as criminals now, and that's only good for business. <laughs> you know, politicians uh, and uh, bankers. You know, but again, it, it, is the whole be, is the whole becoming bigger than the donut? You know, I guess when we widen the definition of criminal, like TV canned, is that is that good for business but tougher for artists? Is there a bittersweet part to widening the definition of what a criminal is? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, Barry directed this um, uh, uh, film for um, with De Niro playing Madoff. Right, 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 right. Now, this is not a cops and robbers thing. This is not, you know, this is a story about a uh, inherently corrupt individual and his rise and fall, mostly his fall. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And so I think that I think that I consider it uh, a criminal story because he committed a criminal act. But it's not told the way, you know. There's not the the good cop who's coming in to to bring him down. It's really a story uh, about uh, about Madoff himself and his wife and his children, mm. and mm. sort of. In a way, it's almost Shakespearean because it, it, it isn't about the external forces that destroy us. There, it's the internal forces that destroy us. And I was thinking about the Borges again, which I, I know is, is your progeny. Uh, you know, we're also in this Game of Thrones nation. So in a way, Shakespeare, Shakespeare's never gone away. You know, it's funny. I know, these, I know. He, he, he should be paid so many residuals. He was on the something, this guy, this yeah. Billy guy. Um, our last beat change here. We're also in this other nation with forms, like this kind of mixed docudrama, uh, American crime story genre now. Mm -hmm. um, because one thing, as you know, people love true crime. Um, mm -hmm. 
and then and all the the all the redheaded stepchildren of true crime. What is it about right. that? You know, what is it about these new forms making of a murder, which uh, Netflix and uh, I don't know if you've seen our show uh, Killing Fields. We we've done two seasons now, and basically the idea is that all over this country there are dumping grounds where you want to kill somebody and you want to make sure the body never gets found. You put it. Uh, you throw it in a swamp or you throw it in a, in a place where nobody goes. And oddly enough, almost every city in America has one of these spots. Uh, and the cops are well aware of it. And, and the cops uh, do try to, you know, find the bodies, retrieve the bodies, and solve the crime. And um, we, we shot down in Louisiana uh, what people really respond to about this is the two real guys. Mm. There's an old retired uh, detective who comes out of retirement to try once again to solve the one crime he'd never, uh, never solved. And a really young uh, guy, who, a young cop, who uh, looks up to him and also thinks he's a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I said to these two guys, you know, if I was doing a drama series, I would have had to create you. Right. But you actually exist, right? Right. So right. It, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to see how much uh, ordinary people who are watching a television show. My brother Frank, who lives in Buffalo, still, he is absolutely in love with these two guys. He just thinks they're the they're the they're 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 pure Americana. They're souls of humanity. And again, they're both flawed human beings. There's not, it's not like they're, you know, Dudley Do Right. Um, but I think that's part of it. I yeah, think, yeah. think, uh, always and forever, when it comes to television, we are attracted to character. We want, we want to, we want to understand characters more than we want to understand the plot. One of the hybrid form before we let you go, when I get your take on is. Podcasts and radio, like cereal, like not cereal that you eat, the show Cereal. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Um, I have. And there's also a great podcast called Criminal. Um, what is it about the oral of it all in this genre? Is it again? Is it? Is it? Does it get back to the DNA of storytelling? Does it get back to the DNA, as you say, of, of epic structure? Um, you know, tune in next week. You know that kind of thing. What is it about? like the storytelling of crime now in podcast form, do you think this is an interesting uh, tributary or do you, do you think it, 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 it remains to flesh itself out? I, I think um, there's an intimacy right. to a podcast because it's like somebody, uh, it's like a friend is sitting next to you telling you a story. And to quote uh, William Paley, the founder of CBS, when he was asked, which did he prefer, radio or television? He said radio, it had better pictures. <laughs> so I yes. think there's a part of that, too. It allows us to have an imagination, to, let, to fire up our imaginations, uh, as opposed to when you see something on a television screen, it, it is what it is. You know, the theater you of the mind. Told, yeah. Yeah. Look over here. Right. And, 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 and listen to this, um, and yet with a podcast, it's sort of like you can, you can dream. It's the theater of the mind, you know, even whether it's Howard Hawks or John Houston, they, they knew, you know, the more, you know, you can draw it up better than I can shoot it. Hey, one last question before we really sign off. This is just a selfish bit of Wikipedia. Where is Yafet Koto these days? Man, I... I miss him as a performer. You know, I, I have no idea. I know after the show went off the air, or even actually before the show went off the air, he had moved to Toronto. Oh, wow. Um, but I haven't, uh, I haven't spoken to him and since the homicide went off the air. You know, it's funny. When you work with people for a long period of time, there's some that you talk to all the time, like Clark Johnson I talked to, or, or Richard Belzer. Right. Um, uh, but then there are other ones that just slip away from your life, and uh, Doff, it's one of those. I, I hope he's, I hope he's well. I hope he's thriving, um, and 
um, yeah, it'd be great to see him in something again. Humphrey Bogart said in uh, Maltese Falcon, the cheaper the crook, the gaudier the patter. Uh, Tom, th- Tom, this has been anything but cheap and gaudy, man. I want to thank you. You're such a gentleman. I love your taste. I love your craft. And uh, your time has, has been invaluable to us. Thank you for being with us here in Murmur. Really appreciate that. I'm, I'm very embarrassed by what you're saying, but I will accept it <laughs> as well as I can. My best to you, my friend, and we'll catch up with Thanks. you again sometime. Take care, Tom. Right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So watch uh, Yafet Kodo uh, 100, uh, across 110th Street. Uh, Yafet and uh, Anthony Quinn and I think I've asked you to do that before so if you haven't done it watch it um, there's a lot of I, I think I, I come out of that talk with Tom with with more questions and answers and I think that's the uh, th- that's the tattoo of, of an interesting talk for me because he inspires questions in me I, I do think and I, I would agree with myself, because I don't know if he was saying this, but I, um, the true crime, the uh, the making of a murder, the the amazing uh, availability of, of or the availability of amazing true crime documentaries in our documentary nation, which this is a genre American content creation is really leading. That that availability, that reservoir is affecting uh, the sort of standard issue crime film. And, and you know, again, we have to, we're always changing forms, right? Uh, media is always changing, film, art is always changing, TV. These words may sound rickety, like the word TV sounds so rickety to me, as does music video. But, so we have to go there, we have to go sort of where the facts take us. Uh, it's amazing. I was thinking the, the other day how many, I mean, you may have, if you listen to the show, you know I, I like a metaphor or two. And so many standard metaphors or metaphors are crime-based metaphors. You know, go where the facts take me or uh, to frame something, frame it up. Now again, frame. But anyway, uh, so I do think the true crime wave, there you go, the true crime wave that we're in now is affecting crime crime content, crime fiction as we know it, or as we knew it. However, can you beat a great heist sequence in a film? The killing, Stanley Kubrick. Can you, uh, Michael Mann, Heat, or Thief, uh, Saint Rafifi, uh, the French heist uh, genre, the French heist genre, Jean-Pierre Maville, Le Samurai, Cercle Rouge, uh, Alain Delon. I mean, can we beat these? You know, wh- what would happen if that went away? You know, I-, I don't want Dog Day Afternoon. Well, Dog Day Afternoon, I think, if it's a heist film, but I, I don't want um, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. You know, the- it's like watching a surgery. Watch Thief, watch Michael, uh, watch... Um, Sorry, oh gosh, the actor's name, uh, James, Jimmy Kahn, James Kahn. Watch James Kahn break into the, the, the or attempt to break into the, uh, the um, safe. Sexy Beast is actually really great, underwater uh, heist. So I think because film still allows us for expanded time, heists are a kind of expanded time uh, warp. And there's a pleasure in the expanded time of a heist. So, look, we have to find the unique charisma of any form. I think TV is doing it well. I think TV episodic is doing it well because of the nature of crime and episodes and tune in tomorrow and and what will happen. And only the shadow knows. Uh, Maybe that guy who I was bashing earlier on um, was wiser than I thought you know there is a melding of soap opera in here and crime is a literary genre and an oral genre is not going away no matter what happens technologically we want to thank tom fontana for being with us talking about the state of crime we want to thank you as always we're here w-h-u-p-l-p live every friday 2 p.m eastern we're also on itunes google play stitcher we have a road show, a live road show of Murmur, uh, two of them in North Carolina, one at the Motor Co. 
on April 18th. The night before, we'll be at the Cary Theater in Cary, April 17th. MurmurRadio.com. Go to our website. All kinds of information. Tickets. See you soon.